Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Darren Greenwald, the Quality Assurance Manager here at M3, and you're listening to the M3 Minutes. Today, we have Ms. Julie Farshman checking into the podcast, and today we're going to be sharing with you conversation and thoughts on women in the workplace. So, Julie, welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing great. How are you? Doing pretty good. Good. I'm uh, rocking up and down the pickaxe called life, as the rockers say. <laughs> Uh, so if you can just go ahead and introduce yourself a little bit to uh, the, our listeners today, who are you and what is your position here at M3? Sure. So I am Julie, as you've already said, and I'm the Senior Vice President of Human Resources. I've been here since about 2011, and I started here actually as a contractor. I had a small business doing consulting, and uh, through various contacts, I found my way to M3 and uh, began to help Alan Reed, our president, with his human resources. And as the company grew, so did my contract. And eventually, after some conversations, Alan and I decided that I should join the company full-time. And so I did. And it was a fantastic addition to the M3 family. Thank you. Uh, I tell people all the time that this is one of the first places ever that I've worked where HR is somebody that you want to work with. They're not just the you know paper processing plants of high turnover companies. So we're glad you're here. Thank you. I appreciate that. So uh, where did you go to college? I went to the University of Illinois in Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. Is there a lot of champagne there? Spelled differently in Champaign. I wouldn't know. Champagne. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) So since we're in the fall season of this time of year, do you have a favorite or funny Halloween story that you could share with us? So when my daughter was about seven years old, Jenny wanted to be a star for her costume. And so while I love arts and crafts, my greatest strength is not in coming up with great Halloween costume ideas, but I did my best. So I found some cardboard, and I cut out a big star shape, and I glued it to the box so that it all over her trunk of her body, she looked like a star. We painted it yellow, and she wore a headband with silver stars on it, and we found yellow tights and yellow turtleneck and all that, and she went off to school as a star. Well, that afternoon when she got home from school, she was practically in tears because at school everybody said she was the sun, and it was very upsetting to her. We all felt awful. It was a massive fail on my part. And you can bet that the next year when she wanted to be a witch, I did it right. She had green face paint, crazy hair, black shoes, you know, black outfit, and she was the best witch anybody had ever seen. And Well, that's uh, really cool, but I think, uh, I think all kids go through some sort of trauma as they experience Halloween. Um, we mentioned a green face. I remember the school that I went to for elementary was allowing you to get dressed up and go to school, and I went on the wrong day. So I got on the bus dressed up in my, uh, I think I was Mikey or Michael or Michelangelo from the Ninja Turtles, rolled in there, had the whole turtle shell and everything on, had the green face print, and I was crying the whole time. Yeah, that's, that's embarrassing. Yeah, thank you for introducing a little bit about yourself before we get into the more serious part of this podcast. Excellent. So we're covering a lot of women's techniques with makeup and foundation, so that's a good transition into the next piece of what we're going to cover is how you're able to utilize HR here with you and your department with M3 and how women are able to succeed in the workplace. So the first question I have for you is how does M3 support or help women flourish? Um, That's a great question, and I think it's one that's important for companies to consider 
when they're developing their workforce and growing their workforce. Um, at M3, we work very diligently to make sure that everybody here, including women, um, is treated just like everybody else. Um, we try to make sure that everyone is considered for promotional and hiring opportunities based on their qualifications. So that's sort of the basic premise that underlines everything that we do. Um, but in addition to that, uh, many groups of people have got special needs and um, special areas that need to be considered as, as they are developing their careers. And so we try to do some things here for women that are a little different. Um, for instance, soon we have an event coming up uh, called Smart Women Speak Out that's being sponsored by the Georgia Women in Lodging. Um, we are sending a group of 10 women uh, to this session. And at that session, clearly, they're going to be learning from speakers about uh, the different ways that women can propel their, their careers forward. Once they come back, I've charged two of the people who are going to be at that seminar to put together a lunch and learn for any other woman here at M3 that wants to learn. That sounds fantastic. Yeah, I think it'll be really cool. So what else do you do, like maybe benefits or other ideals that we can provide? Sure. So um, one thing is women have uh, some unique needs, um, not, not solely focused on women. However, women are the ones in our society who have babies. And so um, we try to make this in a place where women can have a child and not feel like their career is taking a, a back seat. So we do some of the things that, um, that help them. Um, one of them is we offer four weeks of fully paid uh, childcare leave to women. Um, which is much more than the industry standard, especially for companies of our size. And then, by the way, we do also offer men um, two weeks of paternity leave, so we, we care about them too. Um, but that time to bond with the baby is really important, and we don't want them to feel a financial burden. Following that, the women can also get short-term disability and use their vacation pay um, so that they can take as much time as possible for uh, paid childcare leave. Um, we also have got a really cool little place uh, secreted away um, called the Mother's Room. And this is where women can go uh, to pump if they need to when they return to work and continue to breastfeed their children. Um, they furnished it themselves. I actually had some of the young women here that um, have recently had babies furnish the room. And um, it's, it's a wonderful place to go and, and you know relax and take care of the things you need to for your baby. We also offer flexible hours, and um, this is for everyone, um, but women benefit from that because very often, um, even though the, our roles are all changing and getting mixed in society, it, it's often still the mom um, who is the one who has to bring kids to practice or pick up the kid when the baby's sick or um, you know whatever else is needed, get them on the school bus. And so we offer those flexible hours to everyone, um, and many of our women really appreciate that. Well, that's awesome. That's a lot of benefits. I actually didn't even know a mother's room existed uh, until we had a conversation. Uh, I'm a recent father myself, learning mm -hmm. the ropes of uh, that adventure, to say yes, the least. Yes. Um, and so, you know, that's really cool that those types of features and you know that type of compassion to our employees mm -hmm. exist. So that's all very well appreciated. So staying along those same lines, have more women been interested in working at M3 recently? Are there any stats you can give us? Uh, so I don't know that I can track uh, or give you a stat on interest, um, but I can surely give you some, some stats on uh, what's been happening with women in our workplace. So overall, our population of women in management has increased in recent years, and 
our overall population is, is pretty closely balanced between the genders. And so just to throw some numbers out at you and the people who like numbers, um, we are 44% female at this firm. 47% uh, of our leaders are female, and this includes everybody from uh, team leaders, supervisors, managers, directors, VPs, and up. 43% um, of our um, executive team is female. Two years ago, the executive team was just 20% female. And our COO is female. So I feel like we've got some good stats um, that we're still working on increasing and hoping that women will rise to the occasion and rise to the challenge if that's what they want to do. So I think those numbers are actually pretty impressive because it's fairly even. The male to female ratio, I remember going to some coding classes in college and it was 90 plus percent male with really just one or two women mm -hmm. in that class. So what is M3 doing that potentially is attracting both genders to come work at M3? Uh, well, I think, first of all, um, within M3, we've set up a culture that women are valued and appreciated. Our president, Alan Reed, um, is married with four daughters. And I think that gives him an insight into how important it is for people to have opportunity. You know, when you've got your own family that you want to see succeed, uh, and then you come to work, it's very easy to look around and see, this could be my daughter. And, um, and so let's make sure we're treating these women appropriately. And I have to say that when I first started here at M3, Alan asked me uh, to regularly check and make sure that we were not treating people unfairly due to gender or race age, anything else. He asked me to regularly run reports on salary and make sure that was happening. So that, that's one thing. And that's happening internally. People don't really know we're doing it, but, um, but we are. Um, and of course, it's always merit-based. You have to be good at your job. But, uh, but we are making sure that we're keeping an eye on that sort of thing. Another thing that we have that I think others don't have is a female COO. Um, Cassie earned that position working her way up through the company and has been recognized by many people as having uh, a great amount of energy, incredible bandwidth, um, a lot of intelligence, industry knowledge, and a true passion for what she's doing. And so seeing a woman be promoted and advance through uh, the, the various departments of this company is a great role model for women. And it's something that, again, keeps it on the forefront that, that any woman can achieve if she really works hard. Um, additionally, we're in the process of building a relationship with our local universities. And uh, one of the things that we'll be doing with the universities is talking with them about their programs and what they're teaching the students and seeing if that's something that we can somehow influence and um, take advantage of so that we get more and more well-qualified people coming here. And, and gender will certainly be part of that. And it really is awesome that our executive team across the board is taking that stuff into consideration and is, you know, trying to keep the workplace even across all, whether it's race, gender, always doing those internal analysis. That's something I feel like I've never heard before. So that's awesome that we're doing something like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that's true, Darren. Um, and, and one thing, just to make sure it's clear, it's not like we've got a quota or like we have a 
you know, a rule that everybody has to be equal. Um, it's just making sure that people who are in the same job with similar amounts of, of talent and, and abilities are being paid the same. Um, it, it isn't fair and it isn't right if a woman is paid less than a man simply because she's a woman or simply because she accepted a lower paying job in her career or got on the mommy track and took a few years off. Um, we need to be looking at people and what they can do and what they're capable of. And if they're equally capable, they should be paying equal, equally. So transitioning that view from M3 to the hospitality industry, would you say that the hospitality industry is more male-driven? So most of the reading I've done does show um, that there are many, many more uh, males in the industry than, than women. Um, some of the statistics were a little bit surprising to me when I, when I read a most recent report. Um, according to the Castell Project, some women um, represent leadership um, in terms of being a CEO and only 5% of U.S. hotel companies and only 9% hold the president role. And clearly that's not a reflection of what we have in society. So uh, many women who work in the industry are out there and I think we need to wonder, well, why aren't they being put up into the CEO and the president role? Is, is it because they don't want to? Somehow I doubt that from all the women that I've met. So do you see women beginning to step up more into these roles? Well, I think women have probably always been ready to step up into these roles, but it is a bit of a barrier uh, when all of the people who are sitting around you, kind of like in your coding class, are males. And the males have bonded in a certain way, and the males have certain things in common, and then the woman is the outlier. So absolutely, I think women are always pushing, uh, but I think maybe now some of the voices are be beginning to be heard. So along with the hospitality industry, do you continue to see any changes in the male-to-female ratios? Well, you know, not only is M3 in the hospitality sector, but we are also in technology. As a matter of fact, when I talk about M3 uh, to a lot of people, I refer to us as a software development company that serves the hospitality industry. And so um, we have to be very cognizant of the fact that we are in technology. And at M3 specifically, what we face is that there are many more women um, in need for STEM careers, and specifically in IT. There are a lot of women in college who are going into technical degrees, um, but we are not finding them on the other side applying for our jobs. We do not have as many women candidates as men. Uh, so I don't know if that's because not as many women are attracted to IT. I think there's truth in that. Um, women tend to be more relational creatures and tend to pick careers that are going to have a higher um, incidence of, of relationships and interaction with other people. But there are a lot of very, very talented uh, girls in high school who are super good at science and math, and they are going into STEM careers. So we need to figure out how to make that career one in which they can flourish. And, um, and I think at M3 we have a place for women. Um, so we just need to get them to hear about us and, you know, be with us in the, in the world. We're really excited when we get great candidates, whether they're men or women. And just for those that haven't heard of STEM careers before, can you explain what that is? Why, yes, I can. <laughs> Thank you, Julie. Please go ahead. <laughs> yes, so this is scientific, technical, engineering, or math. And by the way, recently they've added an A in there, and now they're called STEAM careers. And they're also saying that we're not getting enough people, in general, men or women, to go into the arts. Oh, okay. 
I'm surprised they didn't just add it on to the end. They had to always try to create a word out of that and make it easier <laughs> to catch on. Yeah. So what are some ways you think we could help better advance women's careers in the hospitality industry? First, I think we need to recognize that there is a gap. People need to admit that there's a problem. And then we need to figure out if we understand why. Is it systemic dis discrimination or is it something more subtle than that? Um, in this day and age, I suspect it's the latter. And so we need to talk to women and we need to talk with current executives to better understand what the barriers our women face or what gaps the women have um, that are precluding them from being in these careers. Then we need to develop education and programs to overcome whatever those hurdles are. I think it would be a mistake to assume we know without doing some discovery. I do know that Marriott and Hilton have both put programs in place for women to rise, and we need to study those and see if they're having any kind of an impact as well. The other thing we need to do is figure out and accept the fact that men and women do have different needs in their lives, and we need to recognize that those are okay, that it's not um, a negative to have women's issues and to address women's issues. So we need to do some things like uh, mentoring. We need to offer flexibility. Uh, we need to figure out what to do when women take off to, to have children. Um, we need to stop women from having their careers have breaks put on them and then have to make up for lost time when they come back. So clearly this is complex and some very good-hearted people who care haven't been able to completely figure this out. But it's just amazing to me that even though it's 2018, when I look around, when I talk to people, I still see some of the same struggles that we were having with gender issues and racial issues that we were having when I was in high school. And that was five years ago? I wish. <laughs> <laughs> so go ahead and tell us about an experience you had that made you feel like your gender played a negative, and I'm using air quotes for those of you that can't see me, uh, role in how you overcame it, or just tell us a positive experience. You know, um, when I think about my career, um, I've been working for a long time, and I can't say that I've ever felt like somebody intentionally discriminated against me. Um, I do think there have been times people have treated me differently because I'm a woman, and I'm okay with acknowledging the fact that I'm not a man, I'm a woman. So you can treat me differently just as I'm going to treat people differently as well, but I'm not going to harm their career or make them feel less than some reason, you know, for whatever their reason is that they're different. Um, most of my career in human resources has been in engineering IT, and related fields, and most of the time I felt like these people judged me on the basis of my work. There have been times I've thought people don't take me seriously, um, but I do think it's my responsibility to change that mindset. I think women have to prove themselves, uh, just like anybody does, but I think sometimes women have to prove themselves even more, and they can't just do the job they were hired to do. They have to do more in order to be taken seriously and to be given a hand up. Um, in technical environments, because it is a male-dominated environment, I think that's even more true. Gotcha. So, do you, you know, that was kind of on the negative side in ways that we need to work harder in order to get that recognition. But what about a positive experience? Do you have any of those you could provide us? Sure. Um, you know, I gave you the example earlier about Alan Reed um, making me 
keep track of inconsistencies. I mean, it's something I would have done anyway, but I might not have done it in my first year here. I might, I might have waited until it was time to do a compensation study. Um, but I think that was very positive to see that the leader of the company wanted to treat people equally. So, so I was very impressed when Alan did that. And it's great that our president, Alan, focuses on those sorts of things. You've given that example a couple of times. So can you speak to some of the challenges that women face and what are some of the systematic changes we can address in making these changes? You know, I, I've thought a lot about it. I've, I've read books about this. I've listened to different uh, people speak, um, you know, Sheryl Sandberg from Facebook and, and others. And, and I think that what we have to remember is that from the minute we're born, men and women are, are treated differently and they're talked to differently and they're talked about differently. And I, I think sometimes people get tired of hearing about, you know, men are supposed to be strong and uh, don't cry and, you know, girls are supposed to be sweet and pretty. Um, but I still think it's true. And um, I'm very in tune with this because I'm a new grandmother and I have a, a new beautiful granddaughter. Congratulations. Thank you. What's her name? My granddaughter's name is Anna Catherine, and she was named after my mother, who was one of the strongest women I've ever met. And I'm hoping that Anna is going to have some of those same characteristics that my mother has. Hopefully that will be the case. Yes, absolutely. And she has a very strong mother of her own. So hopefully she's going to follow in some footsteps of strong women. Um, and you'll notice I've used the word strong about three or four times. And I think it's really important that we don't send women subliminal messages that being strong is wrong and that being strong is only for men or that, uh, you know, being pretty is where a girl finds her value. Um, it doesn't matter if you're pretty and it doesn't matter if you're sweet. Um, you know, what matters is who you are beneath that. And I think we need to stop teaching our girls to just be sweet and just be pleasing and uh, never ruffle the feathers and always be the one who's tactful and, uh, you know, subordinate her needs to those of the people who are stronger and more aggressive. kind of goes back to don't judge a book by its cover. Absolutely. So speaking of strength, what has helped you be the strong senior vice president that you are today? You know, um, I'm not uh, the most educated uh, human resources professional. My, my degree is in education, and I came up uh, through a career in education. And then when I changed careers and went into human resources, a company sent me to school and uh, was able to help me get the credentials I needed. I've always been in the small and medium-sized market. And um, one thing that I had to do was often teach my boss what I did and teach them the value of human resources that it was more than pushing paper. And um, the reason that I do that is because I care. I think that the people who work for any company matter. And I really do care about people. And to me, being in human resources has to be so much more than just making sure people are paid, which is important, and making sure they have benefits. But it needs to be about making their day that they spend with you at work for eight or 10 or 12 hours, make it good and give them the opportunity to flourish. So I, I think the fact that I care is what's made the difference. Gotcha. Um, you know, I mean, you have to work hard. You have to know stuff. Um, you have to learn. You have to make mistakes and all that. But, but underneath it all, I think you have to care. So to kind of wrap up, you know, what do we need to do to inspire more gender diversity? So... You know, referencing what I just said about caring, um, 
I don't know many people who do very well in their career if they don't actually care and demonstrate that they care. And so I think if everybody can take a step back and and remember that they have mothers, they have daughters, they have wives, um, they have other women in their lives, and they love those women. There's no question that they love those women, and, and we all show that differently, but I think given where we are in this day and age, um, we need people to remember that. And when they're encountering other women at work, they need to envision that, oh, this could be my kid. You know, this could be my mom. Do I want my mom treated this way? You know, no. I mean, we want everybody to kind of be able to, you know, reach self-actualization like on the the, Meyer, the hierarchy of needs and, and uh, um, you know, so I think I think if people will care and stop and think, um, that women have a brain and men have a brain and people with other ethnicities and other nationalities have got brains and that's what we want. We want people's brains and hearts and we don't really care about the packaging. And so, um, you know, we need to recognize that the diversity of thought and the diversity of how we interact with people is really important in this global world that we live in. The companies that refuse to do that, aren't, they're not going to do well. Uh, they need we need that, and if people can recognize that fact, um, then I think we can get better and better at this. Well, that's great. Thank you so much for the insight, Julie. You're welcome. Thanks for asking and caring. So, since our first season of this podcast is also during the same year as our 20th anniversary, what we're going to go ahead and do, Julie, is ask you some questions to see how much you remember about 1998. So before we get into the real questions, because it's not multiple choice, you're really going to have to break out your trivia on this, we're going to give you some warm-up ones. So the very first one is, what were you doing 20 years ago? So in 1998, I was a single mom. I had a 12-year-old daughter, and I was mainly doing a lot of yard work and driving Jenny around to see her friends and go to her activities. And that, that goes back to strong women, being able to do all that as a single mother. There you go. All right, so the next one is where were you living? I was in a brand new neighborhood in Georgia. So what job did you have back in 1998? In 98, I was an HR manager at a multidiscipline design engineering firm in Tucker, Georgia. So now that you've had a little bit of a warm-up, we're going to go ahead and go into the questions. So there's going to be seven of them, and again, they're not multiple choice. And we're just going to ask them one by one and see how many you can get correct. I think the best we've had so far is three out of the seven. Okay. And so that's the one to beat. But we have also, I think the lowest score is one so far. So if you're trying to figure out where the range is, it's right there at the lower end. So any questions before we begin? Nope. I'm All ready right. to go. So 20 years ago, whose single Baby One More Time dropped? <laughs> oh, Britney Spears. <laughs> I really was certain you would have that one, too. Mm -hmm. Britney Spears oh. isn't one of your top ten playlist artists? No. And no. no. Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for question number two, uh, what was the top song in 1998? I know. These are brutal. If you, can't, if you can't see the face that Julie's making, if you can kind of imagine any TV show where somebody gets asked a crazy question and one eyebrow goes up and the mouth like jaw goes sideways and there's a lot of just pausing, that's about what we're experiencing. But... That's all part of this. And again, these are really tough. I 
can reassure you that I don't think I would have gotten any of these correct, except for, sadly, probably the first one, I would have known the Britney Spears. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one out of all these podcasts I've actually gotten. Yeah, I'm going to have to <clears> say <throat> the big fat I have no clue. All right. Uh, well, what if I give you the artist? Maybe. So it was, the song was created by the Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, no, that doesn't no, help that me at all. No, that doesn't help at all. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, you're talking to a music major here. So the answer to that one is Iris by the Goo Goo Dolls. And I have no clue what that Never is. Never heard of so it. I'm right there with you. Luckily, I'm on this side of the mic, not having to answer the question. So thank goodness for that one. Great. <laughs> All right. Well, <laughs> two down, none correct, but five to go. <laughs> so the next one is what iconic movie was about two characters named Jack and Rose? Titanic. Yes. There you ding, go. Ding, 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 ding. Awesome. All right. <laughs> One for three, on a roll. You're going to get the next four correct. So for question number four, back in 1998, on April Fool's Day, Burger King took out an ad in USA Today introducing a Whopper designed for what or who? Hmm. Interesting question. The King of England. <laughs> <laughs> nope, for left-handers. Oh, that would have been great. Yeah, I mean, imagine for all those left-handers out here, if oh. they could just have a burger that worked easier yeah. on the left side instead of the right. Being left-handed, that's very important. It is. Yeah. And for those of you that need to know, the left-handers' uh, annual celebration is on August 13th. So mark that in your calendars for next year, and we'll have a party. Do you know where the word gauche came from? Like, no. No, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> Trivia, I got nothing. Where did it come from? It's a French word meaning left-handed. Yeah. And so we call people gauche when they do awkward and dumb things because left-handed people were considered to be kind of klutzy. Uh, well, they can't drive stick shifts. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So number five. Uh, so we're uh, currently, we've, done, we've gone through four. We've gotten one right so far. So Excellent. Th so the next one, hey, right now you're currently tied for not getting nothing. And zero <laughs> is better than nothing. So we're at one. So, in 1998, what job seeker site was created? Monster.com. You got it. Ding, ding, ding. Ding, ding, ding. All right, two for five. So now you're beginning to chase the leader with two questions to go. So, next question, number six. Who was People's Magazine's sexiest man alive? Hmm. Tom Cruise? Nope. Harrison Ford. Oh, yeah, he's sexier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so with that one being correct, you're currently two for six with one more to go. So there are five correct options for this one, but you only have to name two. Which of the top five were the most popular TV shows in 1998? <laughs> hmm. Friends. That is one of them. Um... Family Ties? Uh, no, that Dang. is not. But since you got the first one right, we'll give you one more guess. <laughs> um, uh, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I would have actually guessed Seinfeld, but that's not actually oh. on here. Um, so the correct ones are, you mentioned Friends. Uh, ER was another one. Frasier, Veronica's Closet, and Jesse. And I haven't heard of any of those except for Friends and Frasier. <laughs> cool. 
Yeah, cool. so two out of seven, you're right there in the middle of the pack. All right. So, you know, mid-range, not, not, not fantastic, but not awful either. Just right there in the middle, so you're doing good. Great. So before you check out with us today, Julie, are there any last words that you'd like to give our listeners? Well, I'd like to thank you for the opportunity to talk to you today about uh, women's topics. And um, let's just remind everybody out there to, to care about the women in their lives and care about the women in their workforce. That's great, Julie. And I'd like to thank you for coming out today and working with us and talking through. It's been an absolute pleasure. Terrific. Have a great afternoon. Thank you. You too. All right. And to our fellow M3 customers and those listening today, I'd like to thank you for your time. Be sure to subscribe to us, listen, and download on iTunes, Google Play, and our SoundCloud. We're going to release new episodes at the end of every month, so be sure to come back and listen for more. Well, you can also follow us on social media by using our tag M3 Accounting, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. As always, we're here for you, and here's to your success. Thank you again, and we'll talk to you in the next month.